So tonight's part four. So I'm going to go through the questions. And if um, there's a follow-up question that somebody has, they want clarification, you can you know, raise your hand. Um, if I don't see any hands, we'll just go to the next question. So here's the first question. It's kind of a heavy one. That's kind of been our, our trend the last three. Start with the heavy ones first. And the question is, is does God hate sin but love the sinner? So there's the question. You probably heard that phrase before. God hates the sin but loves the sinner. But the question is, is, is that true? Does God hate the sin but love the sinner? Um, Psalms chapter 5, 5 to 6. Can someone turn there and read that for me in a second while I buy myself some time on how I'm going to answer this? Um, does God hate the sin um, does God love the sinner? I guess my short answer is yes. Um, God does um, hate the sin. Um, God does love the sinner, but God also hates the sinner. And that is a huge misconception within the church today. In fact, um, does anyone know who this quote is attributed to? Uh, love the sin, hate the sinner. It's not a Bible verse. Anybody know who it's attributed to? What did you say? Say it again. Gandhi. Gandhi. Yes, Gandhi said that. If you didn't know that, um, Gandhi said that. And so, um, once again, huge misconception because it wasn't until, I don't know, 2012 and I was in my Psalm seminary class and uh, Dr. Yates was like, how many of you heard that? How do you believe that? And I raised my hand and he's like, I noticed young man. He's like, the one guy didn't raise his hand. I was like, you didn't raise your hand. He's like, you don't believe that? He's like, no. He's like, why not? He's like, justify that scripturally. He's like, Psalms chapter 5, 5 and 6. So someone has that? Ready to read that, please? Yeah, Kramer has that. Go ahead. Read Psalms chapter 5, 5 and 6. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. I'm sorry, can you read that again? <laughs> <laughs> the boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhor abhors the, love, the, no, the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. I've heard David, play, David Platt say this before. Maybe we shouldn't say that God hates sinners. Maybe we should just say that God abhors them. <laughs> I mean, right? So um, I remember I, I, I came across that verse in Psalms class and my mind was like, just, I was like, I've never seen that verse before. But then here's the thought. Does God also love sinners? You guys know Romans 5 eight. God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so, in answer to your question, does God hate sinners? Yes. He abhors them. Not just what they do, he hates them. And I think you, when you understand like how totally depraved we are, it makes more sense. Like, it's not a matter of sinning less, it's that all we do is sin and yet that makes, I think, the gospel shine all that more beautifully when it's understood that and yet or despite, he sends his son on a rescue mission to save and rescue us. That is the good news. But yes, this is huge. Uh, love the sinner, hate the sin. Gandhi said that, not in the Bible. I remember when I taught at LCA, I had one of the, one of my ninth grader moms come, and she was not happy that, uh, oh, I just had this conversation, and she says, God doesn't hate sinners, or God doesn't hate people. And I was like, okay, okay. Do you want to open your Bible? No? Okay, that's cool. <laughs> so, um, no, and I think, I think in understanding this, guys, you begin to understand the holiness of God. 
You begin to understand the holiness of God, just how holy he is and how not we are. I think part of the problem is and why we have a problem with that, we're like even when we see it on the page, is because we have too high of opinions of humans, too high of opinions of us. And that's just, that's culture, right? You look in the mirror and you think, oh, I'm like, yeah, I'm like Channing Tatum, but really you're more like Jonah Hill, you know? <laughs> so, I don't see a hand, I'm gonna drive on. I'm looking for a hand, I'll give it a couple more seconds, I'm gonna drive on to the next question. Julianne. I just think that this verse helps us understand the need for justification by faith. Yeah. So that we can live out from under God's wrath as believers in Christ's salvation. So I just want to mention that. Yeah, we, we need that. And that is good news that we have that in Christ alone. Here's a, here's a question. Um, another heavy question, and then we're going to get to some softballs. Um, <laughs> does God love everyone equally? Question mark. Does God love everyone equally? There's a, there's a thought. Um, if someone can look at John chapter... 17 verse 9 and 20. I think that will help us a little bit. Um, does God love everyone equally? That's the question. And so um, without lingering over whether or not I may be controvers- controversial or anything, any, anyways, um, tonight, um, does he love everyone equally? And my answer is um, no. He, he doesn't love everyone equally. At least I don't think so. Um, maybe you think I'm wrong. Um, in John chapter 17, we see his high priestly prayer. And it's interesting what he says when he's praying. Who he wants to, who he, who he prays for and who he says, oh, by the way, I'm not going to pray for everyone. I, I, I've got somebody on my mind, right? I've got my certain people on my mind. I'd say the bride, the church, my people, I got them on my mind. Can you read John chapter 17, verse 9, verse 20? Kramer, did you have the one? Did you look it up? This is it. Okay, yeah, read John chapter 17, verse 9. I am praying for them. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. So I'm, I'm praying for them, but not everyone. I'm praying for the ones that you've given to me. And, and read verse 20 of John chapter 17, the continuation of the high priestly prayer. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who believe in me through their word. And I think Jesus' high priestly prayer is going to reflect this a little bit. Once again, I think as Christians we can say, God loves you. I can say that to any single person, whether they're following Jesus or not, God loves you, God died for you. But the question was, okay, does he love everyone equally? And I've heard John Piper say this, so I'll say it because it made sense in my mind. He, I can, he says, I can tell every single girl in this room, I love you, 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 I love you. But I love Diana differently, right? Like, like I love the world, but I love my bride, I love my church, I love my people, I love my flock differently. And uh, that's amazing, okay? Um, Jesus died, and you can absolutely say, God loves you, God died for you, right? Whoever believes, whoever confesses the name above all names, right? 
If, if we would but turn from our sin, if we would but repent, you say, how does this implicate like how we share the gospel? Um, I don't think it does. I don't say, oh, well, if you're the one that Jesus loved more, then yeah, you can come to him. Like, no, like I'm preaching like repentance and faith to like anyone who would hear and retain that. But at the end of the day, for those of us who believe, like Jesus loves us differently in the way that a husband loves his bride differently. And I think there is something to be said about that to say, wow. You follow in Jesus, you love Jesus, okay? One, that's a miracle. Two, that's how much he loves you. You're his son, you're his daughter. Not everyone is his son, not everyone is his daughter. And I hope that encourages you, if anyone needs encouragement right now. I um, will drive on to the next question. That was kind of a heavy one. AJ, yeah, all right. AJ, I'm coming to you. All right, that's fine. But well, you said like differently, so so would that mean that God loves people like differently, not more or less? Right. So the question was, does God love everyone equally? And I said no. And uh, I think yeah. you know you could look um, Romans nine, right? Yeah. Jacob, I loved. You want to finish that for me? Esau, Esau, I hated, right? And I mean, uh, if I had time, we could go in and look more. But um, God loves everyone. Absolutely, okay? You could say, Jesus died for the world, right? I'm thinking John 3, 16, okay? But he loves his bride, his sheep, his people, the church differently. And I think that's the nature of that, right? That special electing love, right? Um, or as Ephesians 2 tells us, like, or as Ephesians 1 tells us, he had you in mind before there was a world, right? Before he spoke the universe into existence, he had you in mind. <laughs> Next question. question yeah, Kramer. Yeah. <laughs> Acts 10 talks about Peter's vision where like the sheep came down from the sky and there yes. was sheep with all the clean and unclean animals. Um, God's showing no partiality in salvation. Mm -hmm. That's correct, I think, as far as I can see. Um, is that separate from God's love for us? Because like if it were to follow the same as salvation, it would mean equal love, but it doesn't look like that's what it means. I think that those verses are, are in the context of salvation. Wow. I think those verses are in the context of salvation, like applying, of course, you know, like because he loves us, like he gave us that gift. But I think that's to say, like anybody can be saved, not differentiating between if they're like already saved, not in where. Yeah. And obviously, <laughs> obviously, this is going to touch on um, kind of some Arminian and Calvinistic theology. But I think even Arminians would agree in saying like it, they would say. Um, if you believe in Jesus, okay? Like there is a, a different love that he has for you, right? It's, it's you, you're decisive, your own decision, you're exercising your free will, you coming to him, and as a result, yes, he loves you differently. So if you're like more on the Arminian side in here, Connor Perkins is saying, not me, um, but... <laughs> <laughs> but but if that's you, I think that's how maybe you could wrestle with this or at least put this together, I think, logically. Yeah, Corey Barassa. I think there's a difference between loving someone and then liking them because there's a lot of people I like. We're supposed to love everyone as yeah. Christians, but there's a lot of people I don't typically like to be around but still love them <laughs> like Jesus. That's a good thought, Corey. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Right now, and so like I thought about those verses because we just talked about them, but then I was like, okay, maybe it's you know. All right, hold on. Oh. No, no, hold on. This this is good. This is good. I know this is good because it's it's good that we're having this conversation because this is for the podcast and 
It'd be better than if it was just crickets and me talking. Yeah, Julian. I think that God's love shows no partiality to the kind of people. So there, there is no Jew, no Greek, no barbarian, no Scythian. God's election goes to all kinds of people. And in that sense, his love is equal because it doesn't matter where you come from, you can be saved. But that doesn't necessarily mean God loves all people equally because not all people will be saved. Okay. And, and this is kind of in a response to Kramer bringing up the partiality issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. excellent point. Yeah, AJ, I see that hand. Okay, so like the whole thing I'm still kind of stuck on is like the whole thing with God loving us equally, but that's, that, that's like different than God loving us differently. I feel like equally is more or less and differently is just like in different ways but it can still be equal. That's just how, how, how I'm seeing it right now. Is, is, is it like, like think about it in like math, like not, not math, that's a bad example. Never mind, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you're, gonna, you're gonna lose people right away. Oh yeah, I'm losing my, myself because I hate math. But like equally, like, like, like you would think is like, like, oh, you know, I would love this person like more or less, but like differently, like, you know, you can, you can love pe- people like, like the same amount, but just in different ways. That, I, that's just kind of how like I'm, I didn't say it was an easy question. <laughs> yeah, and there's certainly maybe differently, equally, there's the semantic range of those words. That's cool. It'll, it'll be good for the podcast. So like the example you said, you can go to every girl saying, I love you, I love you. But then if you would only choose one girl, I'm sure you'd choose your wife and not the other ones. Right, yeah. So it's like equally? Yeah. Good thought. Good discussion. Um, we're going to drive on. Uh, I don't think we're going to settle this for everyone uh, tonight. But um, here's a question. It says, why are you a Christian? I don't know if you thought about that. Why are you a Christian? You can't mumble. This, no one's going to hear you. Yeah, well, I, I think the question is addressed specifically to me. So I'll be brief because I want to get through a couple more questions. But um, I am a Christian because... Jesus has saved me because I've was born with a sin nature in rebellion to the king. Okay? I'm in rebellion to the king of the universe. That's high treason. Rebellion has to be punished. Treason has to be punished. And um, there is a punishment, and that punishment is sin. And the king um, sends his son to pay the price, to live the life I could not live, to die the death I should have died, to pay the price I could not afford to pay. That's why I'm a Christian. Um, I'm thinking Ephesians 2, okay? I am following the God of this world. I am blind. You say, how does someone who is blind make themselves see? Well, they don't. That's why Paul uses that illustration, right? A blind person doesn't just say, I'm going to decide to see today. Okay, because if they could, they would. And then he follows this up to really drive home the point that we are all spiritually dead following the God of this world in Ephesians 2, right? And once again, how does a dead person decide to make themselves spiritually alive? He uses this, okay, you, you know the capstone verse. You know Ephesians 2, 8 through 8. For by grace you've been saved through faith. And everyone, rah, rah, cheer, cheer. That's a great verse, okay? I'm not making light of it by saying that. But he builds to that climatic apex several verses earlier. You're dead. And it is by grace that you've been made alive. Think about that. How does a dead person make themselves alive? Like, if they can make it to the hospital, hit themselves with the defib paddles, then they could. Well, no. Like, they can't. They're dead. It is it's futile. 
can't do anything. You can't do anything to remedy being dead. Dead people don't make themselves alive. Lazarus does not come out from the grave because he's like, yeah, I think I'm going to decide not being alive. Okay, really want to drive this home because I think we just simply overlook Ephesians 2, 1 to 5 to get to Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, talk about the grace of God. But the grace of God will shine that much more brightly for you when you realize that if that is true of your physical condition, that is also true of your spiritual condition. Lazarus doesn't come out from the grave except the one who gives life to us all, calls him forth. See, that is what grace does. Grace makes you alive. It's not Lazarus saying, okay, I'm going to make myself alive with grace. Once again, it defeats the purpose. Paul uses his example of being spiritually dead to drive home the point that we are only made alive because of what God did, right? So why am I a Christian? Because there was a time in my life in which I was dead, okay? Physically alive, spiritually dead. And God opened my eyes. God gave me new desires. There was a time in which I did not desire God or the things of God. How, does, how, do you, how do you change your desires? I think about changing my taste buds. I'm a really picky eater. I, I absolutely hate cooked carrots. I get a gag reflex. But I thought, you know what? It's been 10 years since I tried to cook carrot. I'll try it. Nope. I still want to throw up. I still want to throw up. So if it's that hard to change your physical taste buds, imagine how it is to change your spiritual condition. How do you make yourself alive? Okay. Um, Jesus. And in doing so... <laughs> His grace, that that term, then embraces an entirely new meaning that that shines shines so much brighter, and you feel so much smaller, and God seems that much bigger. So yes, that's why I'm a Christian, um, and uh, a great question, and I hope one that just puts the spotlight uh, off of me and uh, puts it on him where, where it should be. Um, next question, real quick. Can I, can, I, can I lose my salvation? That's a, man, I, I've wrestled with that many times. Can I lose my salvation? Um, my short answer is, if you could, you would. John MacArthur says that, right? <laughs> if you could lose your salvation, you would. You'd screw it up. You'd mess it up, okay? Um, you would. But what does the Bible say? Philippians 1 6, anybody know that? He who began. Yeah. He's, he's going to bring it to completion. He's going to see it through. That's good news, right? For fallen man, for me and my fickle emotions. Jonah 2 9. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Mark Driscoll would say all the time you can't lose something that doesn't belong to you, right? I don't know if you thought of it from that way. Jonah 2.9. Salvation belongs to the Lord. You can't lose something that doesn't belong to you. Or John chapter 10. Right? All of the Father given to me, right, are in his hand. And can anyone pluck them out of my hand? Can anyone take them out of his hand? I think the answer is no, right? Our memory verses, Job 42.2, Isaiah 14.27. Right? He's the unstoppable God. Can't, can't happen can't happen and I hope that you guys rest secure if anyone in here had that question or has been wrestling with that Philippians 1 6 Jonah 2 9 John chapter 10 as well as many many others I think will bring you great comfort Jude 24 and 25 a benediction I, I give every couple weeks um guys uh 
once again, in understanding that, I think it's like, wow, he's that much bigger than maybe I thought he was, right? If you could lose your salvation, oh, I promise you, you, you would. Here's a good question. What is the most important thing to look for in a girl? <laughs> you knew it was coming. Before you start dating. What's the most important thing to look for in a girl before you start dating? Um, well, I mean, there's the obvious, right? Does she love, does she love Jesus? Okay. I say, is she a Christian? And that's kind of such a generic term that we throw around, I think, in our culture. Uh, oh, she, she, oh yeah, she's a Christian. What does that mean? Oh, she has a personal relationship with Jesus. Okay. Well, so did Judas. So it was the devil, right? John MacArthur taught me that. Um, right? So I think that's a good start. Does she love Jesus? Yes. How do you know? For the same reason, if you had to, if I asked you, what's my favorite hockey team, okay, there would be no debate. Or if you asked Josh Gowdy, what's his favorite hockey team, you can see his sporting San Jose Sharks uh, sweatshirt over there, right? Do they love Jesus? Yes. Okay, how do you know? It's evident. It's obvious, right? It's, we know he loves the Sharks. We know he loves the Rangers. Should it not be equally or more evident or obvious that they love the Lord? I think that's a starting point, but now to get a little bit more practical, because, okay, let me, let me just touch on this. What is she doing now? And you could flip this. What is he doing now? So what's the most important thing? I hear people say all the time, oh, but she has so much potential. <laughs> okay. Like, I'm sure, like, Hitler had a lot of potential <laughs> if we really want to, like, break this down, guys. Like, um, but you know, you laugh because you're like, I hear so many of my friends say that, right? Oh, he has so much potential. She has so much potential. I wonder, what are they doing now? And maybe think about this going into Sunday sermon. We're going to look at Deborah and Barack. Um, we're going to be in Judges Part 8. Um, what is she? What is he? Where are they now? And don't get me wrong. Potential's good. I'm not, I'm not hitting hard on potential. Um, here's a question. Is he or she teachable? Okay. Um, that was a big thing. I think when I met you, you, you Diana, you're really, you were really teachable. Um, and she's like, huh, maybe you were like, I haven't heard that before, but show me that in the Bible. Okay. And so I think that's a huge thing. Like, is that person teachable? Maybe, maybe spiritually, maybe they're not. Okay. And I, I, you know, not to give a hard time to potential, but maybe they're not where they should be or where maybe some of their peers are. But are they teachable? Because I'll tell you what, if someone's teachable and they're willing to open the Bible and hear from God, okay, I think that's, that's a really, really good thing. I could go a lot of more practical things on what's the most important thing to look for in a girl before you start dating. Are they teachable? Are they teachable in the sense that they're like, I want to follow Jesus. I maybe, I don't know as much as the Bible. Maybe I'm a newer Christian, whatever it might be, okay? Um, but are they teachable? Do they, do they want to follow Jesus? Do they, do they love Jesus? Are they teachable? Uh, that, those were the things, I could say more, those are the things that came to my mind when I thought about that question. So, on that note, I think, I think Rebecca wrote this question. It's not a personal question. These are all anonymous, but if you're listening, Rebecca, in Japan, um, I'm, giving, I'm reading your question, giving you a shout out. Um, yeah. So her question is a, a Bible question about Solomon. Um, like, what's Solomon's problem? What's his deal? Um, did he just ignore the wisdom when it came to women? Like, he's supposed to be the wisest guy. Did he just ignore all that wis- w- w- the wisdom um, when it comes to women? 
Um, or did the consequences of David and Bathsheba's life leak into Solomon's life? Um, she goes on to say, for the wisest man, he did not use wisdom when it came to women. Yes, that's true. And I think you may, you may be very wise, but, and I've experienced this in my own life. It's not something I like to brag about, but there's times where I lack the courage to exercise the wisdom that I have. Following Jesus and um, obeying Jesus is hard sometimes. It is hard, and, and sometimes we miss the mark. But, uh, you know, oftentimes we're like, oh, man, we want to rip on Solomon or whatever. Um, and, and sometimes I think the criticism is fair. Sometimes I think it's, it can be unfair, with you know, depending on who the Bible characters are. But, yeah, I, I think Solomon's the wisest guy, and I think he fails He, he fails to obey God. He, he maybe lacks the courage. God gave him all the wisdom, but he maybe lacked the courage to do the thing that needed to be done. And I think that's something for us all to, you know, to pray. God, don't just give me wisdom, God. God, give me the courage to do the thing that you want me to do, to live in obedience, especially as it increasingly becomes more and more unpopular to become a Christ, be, be a Christian and believe what Christians believe. Okay? Uh, 2019 will be, I imagine, more difficult to be a Christian than 2018. And uh, it's pretty easy here in America um, it's a lot more difficult in other parts of the world. And I'm not even talking about like predominantly Muslim parts. Okay, you look at a lot of the Nordic countries. I've been listening to Al Mohler and the briefing and some of the things going on, the persecution like in the Netherlands for pastors who signed the Nashville Statement, which was released here a few years ago, which had like, hey, dealing with transgender, homosexual type issues and saying, as Christians, this is what we believe, right? What the Bible says. And there was a group of pastors in the Netherlands and they signed that. And now the country's looking at taking possibly like legal action against them. Oh God, that we not, would not just have the wisdom of Solomon, but the courage, the courage to act on that wisdom that we have. Last question. Um, Oh man, I was hoping Ebenezer was going to be here. This was his question. Um, you guys heard about John Allen Cho? You guys know John Allen Cho? Um, this was in the news about a month ago. Um, young guy goes to try to reach the North Sentinel Island people uh, off the coast of India. Um, has a guy take him there, and uh, they kill him. They kill him. And um, so the question is, is uh, how should we think about that? Uh, there's a lot of criticism. He's cavalier. He's going off on his own. He's a lone ranger. He's stupid, whatever it may be. Um, young guy, okay? I think early 20s. He has a passion to reach this unreached people group. If you don't know anything about the North Central Island people, um, like they're this people group that live off the coast of India, like zero interaction with the world. In fact, it's illegal to actually go over there. Like, like, Zero interaction, okay? These people are super primitive. Um, they're like, in this, they're living in the Stone Ages. Um, like, that's, that's the setting. And uh, he goes over and uh, writes in his journal. He's like, I, I don't know that I'm gonna be alive in like the next day or two. And, and they kill him and he comes over and he's trying to, he's singing songs and he's trying to offer them gifts because he wants to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. Sorry. How should we think about that? Um, urgency is what comes to my mind. Like, people are uh, dying and going to hell, and it's not just the people in the North Central Island. Like, they're all, they're all over, and uh, we pray for them. But um, 
Like, these people need the gospel. And um, once again, talk about being a, a lot less popular to be a Christian. Um, a lot different response than um, back in 19, uh, 1956 when um, Jim Elliott died in Ecuador. They, they were on the cover of Time magazine, uh, excuse me, Life magazine. You can actually Google that for what they did in trying to take um, the gospel, the movie tip, uh, End of the Spear, Tip of the Spear, about them, right? And, and they go over there, they fly there, and they're singing songs. They have, they have guns on them, but they're not going to pull their guns. And the Indians come, and they, and they just kill them right there. And uh, if you, great story. The guy's son ends up essentially introducing the entire tribe to Jesus, including um, the man that killed his father. Just epic story. Um, ends up being 1956 cover of Life magazine. Um, Today, this guy, John Allen Cho, I mean, we, we don't think of it that way. Um, we think of it very differently. The world does. The world looks at Christians very differently. A little bit cooler to, to die for your faith back in 1956. Um, not so much today. I can't think of a, probably a better way to die. I think we're going to die, right? We're going to die. Maybe a car accident, maybe old age. Um, and this isn't to say, too, to be cavalier with our lives, okay? And um, I think you can have other conversations here. Um, but how should we think of this? Regardless of maybe you want to have criticisms with this young man who died for his faith, trying to take the gospel or not, I think at the very least, I think we can agree that there's an urgency. People are dying and going to hell. And we need to feel the weight of that. We really need to feel the weight of that. Um, and we talk about that even here, practically, living missionally. So is there a Super Bowl party that we're going to have? Cool, fun. Think missionally. Who can I invite? Okay, now we see the urgency come full circle. If you're in Lynchburg right now, then God has placed you here. I don't care whether it's for one more month or like 50 more years. Oh, that we might live with a sense of urgency among the lost and unreached wherever we're at. So with that, that's all that we have for time. I would like us to go ahead and recite one of our old memory verses, Hebrews chapter 3, 12 and 13. 